Welcome to GleeCast, the somewhat occasionally weekly home of Glee and casting. Here are your hosts, Emily and Erica. Well, hello, hello. Good morning. It's in morning indeed. We're GleeCast. I'm Emily. I'm Erica. Uh, yeah, I have nothing clever to start with. It's just another episode of Glee. <laughs> that it is. Yeah. Uh, we will be talking today about, what is the episode called? Like Blackout or um, Confessions about Molestation or, or what? You know, I don't even know. Let's, let me look it up. I'm, yeah, I'm going to take a guess that it was called Blackout. I don't know if I'm right. This is kind of what I'm going with. Um, it was called Lights Out. Ah, they actually went clever and didn't go with the completely obvious this time. Oh, uh, but that, that is the episode we'll be discussing. Um, before we get to that, do we have other business? Um, but I don't think we do, actually, because RuPaul's was just the flashback, which I never watched. No, 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 no. What? Honey, did you not watch RuPaul this week? No. Uh, no, it was the episode, it, it was not the finale, because they'll announce the winner this week, but it was, like, the final performance oh. thing. It was? Yeah, it was oh. the they had to do, like, three challenges. They had to do their runway challenge, obviously. They had to do an acting challenge and a music video challenge. Yeah, it was, like, a really important episode. Oh, I'd better watch it then. You really should. It was essentially the runway show, like, the finale show just without the result. Because oh. then, like, at the end, like, like, and I'm guessing, I guess the same thing happened last season, which was the season I didn't see, where it's sort of social media voting, but probably not at all. Where at the end, RuPaul's like, and pick your winner at Facebook and Twitter and GetClue and Pinterest and everything. Oh. So yeah, you I should just, really watch this episode. Okay, I will. I just assumed it was like the what you missed this season episode, and I didn't I didn't search it out. So No, it totally I don't, wasn't at all. I don't DVR it because I don't get logo. I watch mm-hmm. it on the logo website every week. So uh, I, I am so sorry that I didn't Yeah, you I didn't even do this. I am an awful human being. My gosh. <laughs> I think it was just because you and I kept missing each other this week in terms of, like, sitting down and talking. You did. So we, I didn't even – because I remember even one day almost asking you, did you watch RuPaul? And then I think something came up and I didn't get to. And now we know that it would have been very important had I asked that question. You need to watch that episode. Well, luckily today is my day off, and I plan on doing a lot of freelance work. So I have time in front right. of my computer and television. Within that, you need to freelance in the last episode of RuPaul's Drag Race because yeah. shit happened. All right, all right, okay. I found it. Okay. Oh, geez. oh, my goodness. Um, oh. I, feel like it, I don't know if I'm just, like, not, if my DVR is just not working, but I feel like nothing has been new. Um, like, well, there's been no, to, uh, no new Mindy project, right? No, no new Mindy girl. Uh, I, I wouldn't know about new girl, but I know there was no new Well, Mindy they're on the same night, so it's, right. if one's new, the other one's new. No, no new How I Met Your Mother, no new Two Broke Girls, no Modern Family. Like, there was is the only show that I was going to say there was new yeah. park. There were two new parks and rec, new community, and new office this week. I watched those. Um, I think I, I think I got through all of them now. Uh, Project Runway finale, obviously. Yeah, which I was very happy with the outcome. Um, I still haven't. I I know who won. I still haven't watched the like last half hour of it because my DVR didn't record it, and I don't know why because I set it to record the one that airs at like two a.m. and didn't record. So um, you know, real first world problems there that should be addressed. Uh, but um, I yeah, so I watched like the runway show and then read about you know all mm-hmm. the hours. and yeah, I was too because I think um certainly that made sense. And I I also like the order. I like who came in second. I think all those decisions were correct. So, yeah, okay. I agree. Um, there was a new SVU. Hooray! I was seriously. I, I don't watch it anymore. I know. Okay, USA used to air SVU like every every hour. Like it like right now. I should have muted on the background monitor SVU because there's always a marathon on the weekends. Instead, I have to have four weddings on in the background. It's very upsetting. It's like, I don't know if maybe, um, you, cause USA has a bunch of like their own shows that they've been heavily pumping. I don't know if that's it or what's going on, but I do not like it. I'm sorry. I should be able to turn the TV on any given day and it should be there. And it hasn't been. And yes, people have suggested, oh, I'll just put it on Netflix because it's on there. But no, the joy is like coming upon an episode and figuring out like, oh, I know who really did the raping. Like, and I don't get to do that right now. So. Just that's my beast, and I'm just laying that out there. <sighs> I'm okay. Uh, I didn't watch this week's Smash yet. 
I know you didn't watch the last months of that. No, Smash. I have not. Um, announcement, though, in case nobody else heard, I believe NBC is airing the finale of Smash on a Sunday, just to further fuck with the audience. Yeah, they're like, you can't find it like, now, so we're going to make it really harder. it as hard as we can for you guys. Like, I like that they're not rewarding the people, like, the five people left who watch the show at all. They just continually punish them. Uh, but I think it's actually because they think it would get better ratings on a Sunday, but it's, I just think they're trying to make life hard for my DVR. Anyway, um, all right, so is that, do we have any other TV news to talk about? I don't think so. All right, then let us plunge into <gasps> Lights Out. And here's uh, the little glee cap. Turn out the lights that Glee tackles this week's serious issue, blackouts. The power goes out in McKinley in McKinley's hallways, leading to such developments as, oh, I don't know, Ryder confessing that he was sexually molested as a child, and Kitty later confiding in him that she was too. And catfishing is still a thing, and Sue is now an aerobics instructor, though Blaine and Becky would like to see her back in her Cheerios role. Over in New York, our three Bushwickians attend a ballet gala at the invitation of their fairy godmother, Carrie Bradshaw. The event reminds Santana that she wants to perform or something. Becky had still uh, Becky had still avoided detention through Sue's resignation. Probably Becky. Oh man, I did this quickly. I didn't get the sound. Here we go. Becky had still avoided detention, though Sue's resignation probably cost her a pension. And hey, Bert's cancer got a mention, and that's what you missed on. Glee. <laughs> All right, so. Now, I watched this episode yesterday, and I had heard, like, some of the rumblings in our Facebook page, but not much, and I knew almost nothing about it. Yeah, I didn't even see the thing last week. You didn't see what thing? The preview. Oh, right. Well, the thing is, the preview, I'm trying to even remember what the preview showed. The preview just showed, like, Sue being an aerobics instructor. Like, the preview did not go into anything that happened here. Uh, this episode was written by Ryan Murphy, and it, I feel like he hasn't written one in a while this season. I do and, think it's been a while. Yeah, and directed by Paris Barclay, who um, is, like, one of Glee's MVPs when it comes to directing. He did a lot of, like, the really good episodes of season one and two. He also does a lot of directing on Sons of Anarchy. So they kind of brought in the big guns for this episode. This is a really weird episode. It feels like they, like, scheduled the big guns for the school shooting episode and then like shooting got delayed so they like or they, something fell through yeah so like something. all right let's throw in a molestation subplot this week <laughs> they wound up with this episode yeah um so let's go through the plot of it who do you want to start with um uh you want to start with new york just because it doesn't let's, tie yeah. in with anything else for yeah, once let's get new york out of the way so, um, uh, Kurt, <laughs> which I just have to throw this out there before I forget. Um, Kurt sits down. So we know that Kurt, I guess, is still interning at, Neo, at, uh, Vogue.com, um, and has a conversation with Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, and she's like, oh, how's your dad? Yeah. How great was the moment where Chris Colfer was like, my dad. Oh, oh right, my, oh, dad, my dad's a teacher. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. And I, I almost wonder if that was intentional because it, like, Kind of felt like it was supposed to be sort of like, oh, right, right, right. Um, but the pre- did you see the previews for next week or no? Did I? Yes. The preview showed Bert, which makes me think like, oh, that's got to mean something. Um, and like when, when Kurt's like, he's back at work. I'm like, does that mean his work at the, at the, he's the, at the garage <laughs> or is he in Washington? <laughs> in the US I don't know. Because he has two jobs. He has two jobs and cancer. I don't know. But, you know, it, it, people are versatile like that. Um, but the primary story here, I guess, was that Santana, uh, Santana's working, like, she's got a couple jobs, which is really hard to do in New York, let me tell you, like, it's not like you can just walk into a bar and be like, I want to be a go-go dancer, like, they're not just gonna, it's kind of hard to get those kinds well, of jobs. Well, actually, I feel like when you look like her, you can. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> when I tried to be a go-go dancer, <laughs> But, you know, I don't have Naya Rivera's legs. So. Although, dancing on the bar at Hogs and Heifers, they did say Hogs and Heifers, right? Or I, they kind did of, they say Coyote Ugly? I don't think they specifically referenced it. I think they kind of said Coyote Ugly, meaning either Hogs and Heifers or Red Rock um, West. Red Rock West, which or we like any of the other ones down there. Both have experience with, or yeah, yeah, you were there, I have, right? I have not, I did not go on the bar because I am clumsy. <laughs> I did, but I think, like, did you? 
I know what Lindsay did. I know Lindsay did. I did it Hogs and Heifers, I think, but not at Red Rock West. I did it one of them, like one of the first times. And then after I did it the first time, I was like, all right, that was enough of that. <laughs> okay, um, I'm, I'm a grown up now. And the, the only reason I remember is because Lisa has a picture of it that used to be up in her room. And oh. I was like, oh, my God, please take this down. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. you, up until you. like last year, you know. Um, but, see, my, my, my issue with that line if she wants to be a cage dancer, go get dancer, fine. That makes sense to me. But in order to do that at like Hogs and Heifers, you have to have you have to know how to bartend, which means she would have had to take bartending classes, and, and which she, means she would have had to be well. You could be no. I think you can bartend at eighteen. Can you? I know that when I worked at Chuck E. Cheese uh, when I was sixteen, you had to be eighteen to pour the alcohol. Yeah. So it makes me think you can you just have to be over 18 but i maybe bartending could be different than just you know being a waitress and carrying over a glass of wine on it i don't know yeah because it's stop and shop you have to be 18 to scan beer to to sell right, it right you have to be so you have to be 18 to sell it so maybe you can bar- bartend but still should have to take a class like no new yeah. york city bar is going to hire you without taking that 300 dollars. exactly there are a lot of hot young girls who want to be bartenders in new york city yeah absolutely Anyway, Uh, I just wanted to talk about Hogs and Heifers, so we're fine. (laughs) But, yeah, the point being, we should totally do a bonus episode on Coyote Ugly one day, by the way. We should. Oh, my God. I love it. But, but yes, the point being that we should do a commentary with Jason and George. Oh, we should. It's done. done. Okay, done. Booked. I'll tell them to date. Yes. Um, Right. The point being, like, so Rachel and Kurt are kind of, like, being snitty to Santana, just kind of about, like, oh, you don't know what you're doing here. I don't know. And they're trying to help her, but it... You know, the conclusion is Santana just doesn't quite know yet, and but she's going to take classes so that she doesn't, like, get rusty, I guess. Yeah, so she doesn't lose the little girl in her again. This was, like, the more, it's funny, when I was watching it, it was fine, because it was Naya Rivera, and she's great, and she can kind of sell anything. But in hindsight, as I try to summarize what this storyline actually was, I have no idea. It was... An 18-year-old girl living in Manhattan, working to support herself and deciding she wants to be a performer. Like, but isn't that what she was doing to begin with? I don't really understand where the, like, arc actually was here. Like, is she just going to be a ballerina now? I don't know. I don't. Do you? Are you there? Did I lose you? I have lost Erica. Can you hear me? I can now. Okay, I accidentally hit the mute button. Oh, I, I see how it is. Sorry, my hand no hit it as, my, I, uh, as it crossed my arms. Um, did you hear me say there was so much arc it became a circle? No, but that's a brilliant is line. It? Thank you. I was proud of it, and I was kind of upset you weren't replying to <laughs> it, and I realized you couldn't hear me. <laughs> I, I will reply all day long to that to that line because it's a good one. Okay. That's um, what I'm going to name this episode. There. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I got new headphones because my new computer didn't have a mic jack, so I'm not accustomed to them yet and mm-hmm. where the mute button is. I'm not judging. It's good. Um, anyway, okay, so that was that. That was that. Whatever that was, we don't really know. We'll get into what it had to do with uh, Sarah Jessica Parker when we get to the songs because yeah. I have a lot of hmm. um, So let's move back to uh, McKinley where and let's deal with Sue, Sue? and then yep. let's deal with the, the other thing. Um, so Sue is like teaching aerobics, right? Yeah. At that's 20. Like, right? That's like, that's just aerobics. It was just regular like aerobics. Yeah. The cat is like just running back and forth across my room. I don't know oh, what she's oh, doing. That's crazy. Um, yeah. At 23 hour fitness, which I thought was a nice touch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like, I, I like personal trainer Sue. It's, oh, me too. It's fine. It makes sense. Yeah. It makes um, she would be a, a great personal trainer. I would hire her. Absolutely. And I liked, as bizarre as that scene in the class was, I, I liked watching Blaine do it. Oh, God, me too. Because he was all sweaty and his hair was all curled. Yep. No, I, I, I used to see in my notes, I wrote down, sweaty Blaine. Sweaty Blaine. Woo. That made me happy. Um, and that he acknowledged that he was still school president. <laughs> which <laughs> was funny. Is, I don't know if you saw the Facebook post. We were talking about, like, all the abandoned um, storylines in Glee. I did, and I made, I, like, a whole list of them. Uh-huh. A I, few of them were addressed in this episode. Well, that's good. Well, see, I try, and vo- I try and avoid our page until I watch the episode, and I only watched the episode last night, so that's why I'm not caught up on it. Sure. But um, maybe, maybe we've been blaming the wrong person all along. Maybe it's not Ryan Murphy's fault. <laughs> maybe he's the one remembering all the abandoned storylines. That's a good point, because this episode did have the most uh, acknowledgement of them. Yeah. And it wrote it. So that's 
That's a very good point, Erica. Maybe we've been looking the wrong way. I don't know. I don't know. Brad Falchuk. Yeah. It's his fault. We'll blame him now. He's our new scapegoat. Okay. I'm I'm cool with that. All right. Um, uh, so basically you have like Blaine kind of saying, oh yeah, we will again, reviving another old storyline. We were going to bring you down, but now we decided we kind of want you back. So I'm going to try to help you. Uh, you know, she Sue has a heart to heart with Becky where Becky tries to say, let me go confess. And so that's just, I mean, I, I know Joe Wayne was saying like, oh, it's going to be Glee weaseling out of another storyline. It's possible. We don't know. But it definitely seems like Sue is not going to be out of McKinley forever, for better or worse, I guess. I kind of want her to have, I mean, we'll talk about it in the song, but the song did make me feel like she was, like, just telling Becky this and isn't really better off. But I kind of want her to just feel like she's better off and and move on. I, I, I think they can only do, they have done so much back and forth with Sue being good, Sue being evil, Sue being a good teacher, Sue being an awful human being, Sue caring about the kids, Sue hating the Glee Club, that I'm I'm done with Sue as a teacher. If yeah. they could keep Sue as, you know, the town mayor or something, that would be fine. And I think they could still work with that. And I wouldn't be surprised if Jane Lynch would be like, okay, if Jane Lynch does the Jane Amaze things and becomes a, you know, guest star instead yeah. of a series regular and pops in to, you know, to... I don't know. I'm going to go to school with town mayor. That works for me. Something like that. You know, I think that would work so much better for the character and for the show at this point. And again, it a lot does depend on what they're going to actually do next year, because it's hard to believe they're going to keep the Ohio, New York thing going when half of the, or the only real interesting cast would also be graduating. So I don't know. Mm. It'll be interesting. Well, based on the way things are going, it looks like we're just getting a continuation of this year, next year. How can we, though? Well, oh, right, right, right. You're saying... We're only going to regionals. Right, and next year still being this year, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The same school year. Yeah, because, I mean, you have... You're losing Tina and Artie and Sam and Brittany, and I think I find it impossible to believe that they're going to do a season that where Ohio is Marley and Ryder and Jake. Yeah, that would just be ridiculous. It it would be painful. And I think Glee is smart enough to know that that's not going to work. But so it seems like the point that I think you and I think maybe Angie had brought up that they're going to maybe do national fall. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what that ends up being. Um, All right. Do you have anything else to say about the Sue storyline or should we move on? Um, Well, just the one note that it does look like Becky is confessing anyway. Right, right, right. So. Um, I felt like we didn't address that. I, maybe I thought it and did say, I don't know, whatever. But anyway, that looks like it's happening. Um, okay, so Ryder and Kitty. All right, so first of all, I think it was Brienne who, pot, who brought up, like, of all the storylines that Glee decided to actually um, uh, spread over an arc of episodes, the longest term one they've done this year and possibly any year is the catfishing one. Yeah, which no one cares about. Oh, but yet it's like Glee's finally like, no, see, we can tell a multi-episode storyline. It's just a storyline nobody cares about. Yeah. So the catfishing thing is still happening, and uh, Ryder uh, decides he is going, because he has already told his, you know, catfishing partner, um, so he is now going to tell Glee Club, who he feels very close with, that he has a secret, and that it was when he was a couple years younger, he was molested by his babysitter. Now... Does it make me a terrible person that I had the same reaction the guys in the Glee Club did? No, what I actually, the the way I felt about that was, though, I was like, I really like that they had that scene because I think that is the reaction that so many people have. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to show that. And I kind of like that it was never, like, because there's certain things, like, there are, I think, some people that are always going to feel that way, where that, like, oh, but, you know, a hot like, 18-year-old, uh, you know, did stuff to you. What? That's everybody's dream. I think there are people that are, you know, that are always going to feel that way. And I think for Glee to have backed away from that and just had everybody, like, learn a lesson at the end of the day would have been kind of unrealistic. Whereas having, like, Ryder kind of you know, be like, okay, yeah, sure, it was great. And then have this, like, heart-to-heart with Kitty who says, like, no, look, I understand that it's not awesome and it was awful and all that stuff. I think I was surprised that they, I thought they handled it much better than I thought they were. True. Um, but just, oh, my God, the lead up to that theme when Ryder's like, so I have something to say. 
And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, all the different things he might actually say. <laughs> and when he comes out and says that, I was like, you're kidding. Oh, my God. Oh, my, they did not just do this. <laughs> no. Yeah, it was pretty terrible. But but I think, I don't know, I think they handled it. It was handled and, well, but it came yeah, out of nowhere. It, was so... it did come out of nowhere. And did they have a warning on this episode or no? Because um, I like that they had a warning on the other one. But no, <laughs> no warning, but they did the PSA after that, oh, yeah, after that commercial yeah. break. And, I mean, again, I I think I I like that they also, they could have gone much more, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it it could have been a lot more SVU-ish, I guess, in a way. It could have been Kitty saying, like, you know, my uncle used to come into my bedroom every night. Like It, it could have been, like, really pushing a line where I think it really crosses over into something. And it wasn't really going in that direction. It was going in the direction of probably what, and I don't want to speak to this because I have, I don't have any, you know, knowledge of this or anything, but kind of the experience that probably many people have, like that experience of, I don't, didn't really know if it was a crime or not. Mm -hmm. I don't really know if it was my fault. And actually having the scene where there are, you know, these two characters who kind of can look at each other and say, you know, you're right, it happened to me too, and I understand, and it wasn't our fault, and it, like, we, you know, it, I don't know, I, I think it was much better handled than I worried it would be, I guess. Okay, I can agree with that. I mean, I do think it was handled well, I just don't think there was a point to it. I don't know what the point was. I agree to that. Was the point just because they felt like they needed to do another PSA episode? I, don't know. I have no idea, because I I don't see what it, I guess, I mean, Sure, it gave some sympathy to Kitty, and it made this relationship between Kitty and Ryder kind of interesting. And when we find out that Kitty is is the catfisher, it will mean something because I don't know it can be at this point. Um, but yeah, it, it was so left field, and I I don't know the reason for it. Um, and it, but I think in comparison to the gun violence episode, <laughs> which ended up being such an abomination of taste and morals and everything else, I think this was actually much more restrained and done in a way where it, you know, actually might have spoken to someone out there. Whereas the gun violence episode was just offensive on every level, I think. Okay, I can accept that. Um, They did, I feel like it can't be Kitty, though, because they just set this episode up so much for it to be Kitty. Yeah, but at this point, like, I don't care, because who else can it be? And if it's, like, oh, it... I don't, I really don't care. I, I, if it was somebody we've never seen before, that would be fine. If it yeah. was just like some, I don't know, like, uh, another student who was really fat or something, that's fine. I don't care at this point. I'm just done with it. <laughs> I just wish, I, and I think they wrote, wrote themselves in a corner and I don't think they knew who it was in the beginning and now they're like, shit. So who's it gonna be? I don't know. I don't know. And I would be happy if it was just like, the next day, writer's like, so I decided I don't really care. And that's it. Because <laughs> I'm done with it. I don't need to know who it is at this point. Okay. Um, you uh, want to talk about the music? Let's talk about the music. Um, the first song we've got is uh, Sam singing, uh, you know, You've Lost That Love and Feeling by the Righteous Brothers. And a little guitar. I really liked it. It was enjoyable. Yeah, it was just Sam on a guitar. Ryder joins in. Everybody's feeling it, except for Artie, who's really texting. Yeah, that was yeah. obnoxious. That was obnoxious. And it, and, it, and it brought on such a forced moment, too. Yeah, agreed. Because it was, whenever Glee uses words like tweet and Twitter, I just kind of, like, cringe. Because mm-hmm. it just sounds so forced. And, like, something that in five years when we watch the show and, like, you know, you think of any any show from the early 2000s that talks about MySpace. Like, it just it feels dated and it feels like Glee is intentionally dating itself in a way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, that being said, I really enjoyed this number. Uh, it was good. It was enjoyable. I like Sam a lot still. Me too. He's yeah. still, although I do want him, I need him to get a haircut. Oh, I can't deal with his hair anymore. <laughs> it's fluffy. <laughs> he has like that one piece that constantly falls in front of his face and I'm like, oh my God, just get it. <laughs> uh, moving on, we had Ryder singing Everybody Hurts. Yep. By R.E.M. Um, I don't know if it's that I'm just so sick and tired of the song because it was on constantly when it came out, but I fast-forwarded through this. I don't, I don't know if it was that writer was singing it. Did he do this on the Glee Project? Did they? Do- I think they did the song on the Glee Project. Yeah. I, don't know if it was, I think the, they did it as a um, 
like, like one number, of the with, like they were all yeah. oh yeah they were in the lunch yeah. room oh god it was like oh. really early in the season and it was awful yeah I think that's why I hated this and fast forwarded through it I was just bored like I don't I don't remember anything about it like when I was reading the AV recap they're like talking about the slushies and all of these uh, flashbacks of the song I'm like I I don't think I watched it I think I had it on and then got like bored and I was like checking my email or something because I don't remember this song at all yeah I saw. I fast forward slow enough that I could see that they kept doing flashbacks to every member of the Glee Club getting slushied. And that's what they did on the Glee project, so it really bothered me that they essentially they like copied. reused yeah. something. Like Yeah. Understood. Obnoxious. Yeah, so I was just kinda of bored. However, the next number I really enjoyed. Me too. It was Stomp. Yeah. By the way, Stomp is still running. Did you know that? I did not. It is still, like, you walk down the Lower East Side, there is still a marquee for Stump. And it's like, wait, what, really? This has been locked for, like, 20 years now. Yeah, it's been around for a while. What was the other one? There were two. There was oh, oh, God, what was the name of the other one? Oh, uh, ah, something city. Steel City? Oh, was I don't that know. It? Steel city, that was it. Um, I think Stomp was one of my, like, first Broadway shows. I've never actually seen it. Oh, really? I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> Did it? I don't think it actually has a story. I think it's just them playing music the whole time. I have no idea. I don't remember. I just, okay, um, you can find out. It's still running. True, but this was really fun, and it, I, it redeemed them doing doing Queen for me because the last time they did Queen, it left a bad taste in my mouth. Well, what did they do Queen last time? They did. Well, Blaine did. Um, which call it? My favorite. Um, like, don't stop me now. Didn't I like it? You, you liked it, I and liked I didn't okay. because that song is just impossible to sing, and no one could sing it like Freddie Mercury yes, can. Right. Uh, well, see, I mean, I always like when they do Queen. I think that's been some of their best moments, especially season one, season two. Um, so I was happy to see it. And something else I really like, it reminded me that Jake can actually really dance. Yeah, he can. He was and tap he, dancing. He was tap dancing. He was spinning. Like, I mean, that kid is a trained dancer, and they have not really utilized it correctly, I think, yet. Mm-hmm. So I hope they do because it, I mean, it's hard enough to like Jake. So you've got something that would make me like him. Use it. <laughs> um, but this, yeah, this was just fun for me. I enjoyed yeah. it. It was good. I liked it. Although, I, did you feel like there were like 52 members of the Glee Club because it was dark? I was like, I think there's people who are in Glee Club in there. <laughs> I think like... they just wandered into school there. <laughs> um, oh, oh, I need to interrupt because I've, I haven't talked to you about it yet. What? I should have brought this up at the beginning of the episode. I started watching Pretty Little Liars. Oh, yay. Oh, my God. How the fuck is Kendra the Vampire Slayer? Oh, A teenager in this show. I know. She doesn't age. It's a, but it's like uh, racist warning. All black wo- black women, they don't age. Like, think about Stacey Dash. Yeah, she Stacey Dash still looks the same, exactly the same as she looked when she has been, like, 60 for, like, 35 years now. They are right, actually. They don't age at all. Creepy, man. It's really creepy. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I started watching it on Instant Watch. I've been watching it on my commute. And it's it's fun because it's Gossip Girl, but, like... Somehow both sleazier and because it's like ABC Family Channel, but all the girls are making out with like twenty five year olds that they're all underage. Yep. And the but I just I was going crazy because in the opening credits I keep seeing Bianca Lawson. I'm like, who is she? I'm like, they've shown like the one black character is the girl's mother and there's that's not her. Yeah. I'm like the only other black character is no. And then I'm like, oh, and she has a really weird line delivery. Holy shit, it's Kendra. <laughs> And then I was, like, trying to figure it out. And I guess she's, like, I, I, I think she's, like, 34. She was born in, in 1980, I think. So she was pretty young when she was on Buffy. Yeah. But still, like, I mean, she is now older than any 90210 actor was when they first started 90210. And I feel like the girls on that show are all, like, of age, right? They're, they like, look of age, yeah. Like, they genuinely look to be, like, 17 years old. And then there's Kendra and... Kendra, I mean, you know who she is on the show now, right? Yeah, now I do. I, I mean, I went and when I did, I was like, "Wow!" And she's essentially like one of their, you know, lovers yeah. to some point. <laughs> Let's see, so she's crazy. Emily's, right? Yeah. She's uh, Emily. She's Emily's girlfriend. Yeah, her name is Maya, I think. Yeah, and Shay Mitchell. She was born in 1987. Right, and Kendra was born in 80. Period. She was pretty young then on Buffy. 
So in fairness, that I'll take back some of. Well, no, she was still awful on Buffy, but at least now I know why because she was because she was young. She was a fetus. Um, but yeah, those girls were all born in like the late eighties, early nineties, right. so they were all in their early twenties. Oh man, it's like remember nine hundred two and Like Gabrielle Gutierrez, I think was twenty nine when nine hundred two and started, whereas the like, and then most of the cast was, like, early 20s. Some of them were, like, 17, 18. But, like, on this, like, you know, she started the show at, like, the age of 33, I guess. It's crazy. Like, I mean, ah, it is crazy. But anyway. Are so you, I, sorry um, to interrupt, because I had to, I, I was so excited <laughs> to talk to you about that. And I didn't get to. Are you, like, mesmerized by Arya's eyebrows? Because yeah. I am. The eyebrows, yeah. Uh, there's, like, so many things about them that is mesmerizing. Yeah, like, yeah. The the accessorizing, which is usually a little too much. Well, on um, Hannah, it is. Yeah, on Hannah. Well, because it's always earrings. That's the thing. I like. No, I like earrings, but I feel like if you're gonna wear a necklace and you're gonna wear a frilly shirt, you, and you're gonna have like big curls, like where it feels over much is usually in the earrings. I think. <laughs> and Hannah always has on giant earrings, and yes, they they yes. take something away. I think they all look like brat cells. They do. They all have big eyes, especially. Lucy Hale, though, Arya. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think that's what it is about her. Her eyebrows are just so perfect, and it makes me so angry whenever I watch it. I wonder why her her teacher is willing to risk his career for her. Yep. (sighs) Um, But, yeah, it's it's really trashy fun. I'm enjoying it a lot. I love it. It's so much fun. Yeah. So we'll we'll be talking about that more. Don't you worry. Okay. Okay. Um, So the next number. Um, so, people what? out there, I know a lot of you were like, oh my god, Jay Lynch is on Broadway, and Annie, I really wish I could go, but oh, I don't want to spend $120 for a ticket. Don't worry, because you just saw her do her big number ugly. Yeah, what was that? Do you think they did that? I mean, obviously, they had to have done it after she got cast for that, right? I'm sure, and I I don't know whose decision it was, if it was like Jane being like, hey, why don't I do this song? If it was Ryan, like, oh, you're on Broadway, I'll just do this. But it just felt very, like, under, like, if I were the Broadway producers, I'd be pretty pissed off. Yeah. Um, that being said, I loved it. Oh, yeah, it was great. Um, this And this, obviously, you know, there were two show tunes in this episode, which is going to make me happy. Uh, and this, it was done really theatrically. It was the moment where I realized, remembered it was, this episode was directed by Paris Barclay, because it felt like it was made with panache. Mm-hmm. Um, really theatrical, really fun. All of the cuts to her throwing around cheerleaders, like it. I mean, in the past, that's occasionally been annoying, but in this case, it it made me laugh. Like, like Jane Lynch was having a ball. All the you know the extras were enjoying it. It it was really enjoyable for me to watch. I agree. She's just great at what she yeah, does. So absolutely. Um, <laughs> the next number. <laughs> I'll let you take the lead. Okay. Well, I'm going to start with saying once, as soon as they started talking, because they're at the ballet, they're at the ballet, and they start talking about being children, and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, they're going to sing at the ballet. They're going to sing at the ballet. Oh my god, are they going to sing at the ballet? And they do. And now I have gone on record before as saying I adore Chorus Line. It's one of my favorite Broadway shows and favorite movie musicals. Um, at the ballet is one of my favorite songs from a Broadway musical. And because, I mean, it is a it is a trio and there's so much great in this song. I think it's gorgeous, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so it starts and I'm there and I'm feeling it and I'm still feeling it. I'm feeling it for the first two verses and thinking to myself, wondering, because as they're singing, I'm like, so now the thing is, we don't know anything about Sarah Jessica Parker's character mm-hmm. other than that, you know, she works at Vogue.com. We don't know, like, what her story is. So as they're singing it, I'm thinking, okay, Santana's got the first verse. I guess maybe Rachel or Kurt could get the second verse, which is about, like, being an ugly duckling, essentially. Like, it fits either one of them. And then Sarah Jessica Parker takes it. So I'm like, okay, you know, that kind of makes sense because she's kind of become, in a very meta way, it's sort of a punchline that Sarah Jessica Parker is unattractive. Yeah. Um, Which is one of those, like... I don't know, like, the whole, like, it seems like she's the kind of woman that, like, men don't find attractive. She's got, men do. you know, but women do. And so, like, I wondered if, like, oh, is that a comment on that? Of Sarah Jessica Parker, like, talking about being kind of, like, awkward looking. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I'm like, all right. And I'm like, so I'm really hoping they're going to change the words to the last verse. Because the last verse is all about uh, a girl singing about how she grew up without her dad and 
you know, so she used to, like, you know, valet with her escape into having a dad. And then I'm thinking, like, oh, they can give this to Kurt, and they could reword it a little bit, and it could be about his mother dying and how he would sing and he would pretend to dance with his mom. Or they could just not change a word and then have Sarah Jessica Parker also saying about not having a dad and have it make no sense whatsoever in the context of this song. Yeah, it just, I mean, I'm not familiar with the song because I've never seen a car. Well, you are because this is it. Like, they did not change. No, but I'm saying, like, I didn't, I didn't know, like, it took me a few minutes to catch on that it was meant to be a trio. I was like, well, this one person had an awful lot of shitty things happen in their lives. And then I was like, oh, okay, it's three different people singing it. Like, and, but then it was confusing because she sang the same verse twice and, it just bothered me that she was in the song. Like, like they didn't really need her. Like, they could have just given it to the three kids, and I would have enjoyed it more. Yeah, and they could have found a way to make that work, too. And, like, so long as they could have changed some of the words. Right. And they've done Which that Which they're so reluctant to do now. I can't understand it. Like, I get maybe sometimes there's rights issues and so on, but the, it, the problem with doing um, Broadway songs on Glee and I am obviously all in favor of doing Broadway songs in Glee. But the problem is sometimes they, and the same thing happens in life when you want to sing a song at Cabaret, is some of some of the songs are very specific to the storyline of the Broadway show. And that's the case with that. The ballet, the sentiment of the song works in a lot of levels. It is just about losing yourself in your art and, you know, having an unhappy childhood, but, you know, then, you know, finding the freedom and beauty when you are dancing. That works. That as a storyline for Glee, that's the idea behind the, the entire idea of the show is that you're an outcast, but when you're singing with your friends, you're something special. So all they had to do was tweak a few verses, a few words, and this song could have been amazing and perfect for their characters. And instead, they were just like, okay, so the last verse is about a girl who doesn't have a dad. Um, well, we know Rachel has two dads, and we know Kurt has a dad. So why don't we just have Sarah Jessica Parker? This will be your character development song. And it just ended up being stupid. And is the is the character's name in a chorus line Izzy? No, it's Maggie. Oh, okay. So, oh, my God, they changed that. So, like, is that as far as they can go? Um, it really frustrated me because this could have been something wonderfully special, and it just ended up being stupid, I think. Yeah, and the other thing they really screwed up is instead of just – you could have just gone back to Santana talking to Isabel, but instead you made them end in a line on the stage right. and have Santana go, sorry. Like, no, it could have been, it was a fantasy yeah. number. Like, that's what it was supposed to be. Like, it should have just faded back to her finishing yeah. a story. Like, ah, uh, it pissed me it off makes, so much. Like, the ending of that song really confused me, because I'm like, wait, so are we supposed to think, like, you just perform this? Like, did that have, like, I'm all for the idea of fantasy theater on Glee, but, like, there was like an acknowledgement of like, wait, so what did that? I don't, I don't, what? Okay. Yeah. They, yeah, they need to not acknowledge that the four of them just broke into song right. with a full orchestra and ballerinas. Like, and it was, it was gorgeous and it was beautiful. And I think Paris Barkley did whatever he could with it. It was just so stupidly conceived. Like, it's Ryan Murphy was like, I really want to use at the ballet. Like, we're doing an episode at a ballet. It's perfect. And it was perfect if they just made it perfect. And it wasn't that hard to do. <laughs> Um, and the other thing that really pissed me off about it was there's a line or the repeating verse, up steep and very narrow stairway. Um, I hear the verse. I don't need to see kids running up a steep and very narrow stairway. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Ugh. Yeah. They so just I wanted to use those actors again. Yeah, I mean, it was cute. That little, like the little uh, mini me of Glee are always adorable and welcome. Yeah. Um, and that was fine. But it just it was such a missed opportunity to be something really special. And that disappointed me. Yep. Um, now, the last song also pissed me the fuck off. Did it? Here's why. So the whole episode, Will is like, okay, so, or no, the, la- the last moment, he's like, so I want us to do acapella. Yes, yes, Glee, I want you to do acapella. That's what you do best when you take a song and you make it acapella. Like, that's the idea of Glee Club, generally, is that you're singing acapella. So what do they do? What song do they pick? They pick a song that is acapella and just sing it. <laughs> Why the fuck couldn't they have taken any other Billy Joel song, any other song, and made it a cappella? How much more interesting and different and special would that have been if they sang, um, 
Oh, let a good diet, which they've sang before, but it just the first one came into my head. If you took a song that's not acapella and make it acapella, that is special. That is different. That is worth watching. Hearing the Glee Club sing for the longest time, fuck that. I could hear anybody sing it because that the song is written to be done that way. You know what? I don't think I ever realized that song is actually acapella. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, I've seen like high school. My high school chorus did it, like because it's think about it, like it's all all the different voices, like yeah. that song. And it made me so angry because it was another, after at the ballet, it was another huge missed opportunity. Because Glee, which used to really experiment with music, had a chance to just, you know, okay, really obvious. Acapella song. Great. What are you going to give me? Oh, you're going to give me the most obvious pick that has, that doesn't require you to do any work or anything innovative with it. You're just singing the exact version of For the Longest Time that everybody has already heard. Oh, it made me really angry. More angry than the good episode was this song. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. It's not your fault. Um, it made me angry that they gave Marley the time because I wanted to punch her every time she did every it. Every time. Every time. I was like, ugh. I like, was enjoying the episode because I barely saw you the whole time, and now you're yelling at me, and I want to punch you. Yeah. All right. That was a high note of mine was that there was very little Marley. Oh, hooray. <laughs> um. We might as well just continue with high notes because we just okay. started them. Um, I think this has been a high note of mine before, but it came back, so I like it, is um, Sam's locker with all the chapsticks. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was cute. This time he has, like, little scallop shelves that hold them yeah. all in. It was really cute. He got, like, a chapstick system installed in his locker. It made me happy. Yeah, it was, it was adorable. Um, and I, I, well, most of yours are mine, so. <laughs> we, we, there were a few, you know, Again, this was a, a tricky episode because there were a lot of things I liked within it. Yeah. Um, and even, I mean, I may be in the minority, but I even thought they handled the, you know, sexual abuse storyline better than I ever would have expected them to. Um, so a couple of my other high notes were there was a reference to Run, Joey, Run. Which is still my favorite. Still the best. Star <laughs> wife and all. Yep. Um, there was Kitty has a line about Puck being very puffy when you look at him in yes. close up, and I like cheered because it was like he's listening to us again, he's listening to me. He's kind of puffy. Um, Kitty had a cute line, which is you know part of explaining her you know being very cold to men was that she drops hints that her vagina has teeth, <laughs> which also made me chuckle. Yeah, um, Blaine had a really cute bow tie in the last number. He did, and um, there were show tunes, which made me happy. Even even with the issues I had with them. Um, low notes. Do you have any other high notes? Or those were all short. Oh, it was the puck thing and the yeah. and the run Joey run thing. Gotcha. Um, low notes. Uh, oh, puck and kitty broke up. Okay, so that was another waste of a storyline. Um, oh, I put very little Marley in the low notes. That totally was supposed to be in the high notes. That is totally a typo. Um, and for the, well, uh, my issues with that, the ballet and my bigger issues with for the longest time. Yeah. Um, my low note was mostly just morally singing time every time. time. I was like, Ugh, I hate you. I can understand that. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Um, I need to log into the email to check our feedback. <laughs> I will, uh, start Brianne's feedback while you do that. Please do. It is entitled Snoozeville. <laughs> well, Glee, you've managed to have another week in which not much advances in the plot, and I was pretty much bored with it all. The songs weren't anything exciting. The drama was lacking. I'm now in the habit of watching it at some point over the weekend when I have some free time. There's no longer the urgency to watch it live or the next morning, so I don't read it in spoilers anywhere. Mm-hmm. People are used to Facebook statuses every week about Glee's shocking revelations, but this is no longer the case, so I don't have to worry if I don't get around to watching it until Sunday afternoon. Nothing really happens, so there's not much to comment on. I have to... I have a few stray observations. One, where is Brittany? Mm-hmm. You know, Heather Morris is prego, but there is no way she would be showing already, and the episode was probably taped before or right around the time she the announcement was made. The Glee Club members are dropping like <laughs> Two, wait, yeah, there's still no Joe this week, by the way. No Joe, no sugar. Um, two, why is Sue still on the show? She should really be taking advantage of getting out of there. Jane Lynch is a big enough name that, that she doesn't need Glee anymore. Three, the Vogue.com storyline drives me insane. No job is going to tell you that it's okay that you've been MIA from your internship because you got into school, especially a big name like Vogue. 
There are thousands of other people dying to get into anything fashion-related, let alone a big name like Vogue. Not to mention that the economy is still in the shitter. People are scrambling to get their foot in the door anywhere. It's so unrealistic. And then Glee takes it up a notch by inviting an intern and his two roommates (laughs) to the ballet gala. Obviously. (laughs) Because they can't find anyone else that works for Vogue to go. Plus, they'll give a fashionable dress for free. Yeah, right? (laughs) You don't have to be from New York to know that this is absolutely terrible writing and that basically the Glee writers think their audience is clueless. Obviously. Fourth, so the catfish storyline is the only story arc of the shipment. I'm glad they chose to stick with one thing. It better be some crazy reveal to stretch it out this long. Seriously. Five, I have to admit that I think I'm actually starting to like Kitty. I kind of have to admit that, too. I agree, too. And I I mean, I think the actress is doing the best with what she's got, too. Yeah. Um, Her character has had some sort of development over the season and maybe even some growth, maybe. (laughs) I hope they have her stick to this change and not toy with her like they did with Quinn. I'd hate to see them make a raging bitch again after this development. I'm excited Mike Chang and Mercedes are back next week, but something tells me it's another throwaway episode. The coming attraction was very stylized, which makes me nervous. They use fancy camera tricks, which never (laughs) bodes well for plot development. Yikes, Glee, yikes. Until next week's boring installment, meaning the show, not you girls, of course. (laughs) What do you mean? I thought the use of shaky cam in the gun episode was was perfect. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, Our next email comes from someone named Joe. (gasps) The end of an era. It is the end of an era. For those who don't know, um, Wayne Kotke has died yet again because he was a zombie. So now he's dead for good this time. And he's been resurrected as Joe. Um. You can listen to, I actually need to download it. The Mail Order Zombie is a podcast that's been going on for a long time, and that's kind of where Wayne was born. And Wayne used to do some really fantastic uh, musical segments and just recording segments for the show. Uh, that show has come to a close. Um, and in, I believe in their, in, uh, the final episode, which if you go to like the iTunes store and download the last episode of Mail Order Zombie, um, whatever the last one is, I don't know the number. I believe the final segment is the end of, of Wayne Kaki, so I need to listen to that. Um, but uh, as a result, we get the wonderful Joe. So Joe titles his email, tired of being itself, Glee tries to bring revolution for a week. It doesn't work. Billy and Joel. Oh, Glee, 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 Glee. What are we going to do with you? You embarrassed yourself with Shooting Star, then you turned in what I think was one of the weakest, lamest episodes of the season with Sweet Dreams. You needed a really strong show to turn things around. Instead, you did this thing. What happened? What went wrong? Let's figure it out by dri- by diving into random observations. At this point, Katie underscore XOXO had better damned well be the resurrected Christ riding a winged unicorn that shits rainbows. That's about the only thing which could justify the buildup you've given this infernal catfishing story. This Frida Romero is trouble, ladies, big time. Her voice sounds like a car alarm, and somehow this is supposed to put the fear of God into us. When did we, as a society, decide it was acceptable, commendable even, to sing like this? I guess the problem started with Whitney and Mariah, then grew out of control on American Idol with its endless parade of ham-bone contestants. Me, I hate being pummeled to death with notes like that. We didn't talk about that. Frida yeah. Romero is one of the uh, singers in one of the competing glee clubs. And, you know, we get a cut of her singing, belting the Star-Spangled Banner. So she's kind of like the... Uh, Oh, what was the name of the... Sunshine. Little... Sunshine, Corazon. Yes, R.I.P. Sun. Maybe Sunshine is Catfishing Rider. Oh, baby. Maybe, maybe Frida Take Romero. Notes, Ryan. Or Frida Romero could be Catfishing Oh, Ryan. it's like a Romeo and Juliet storyline. Maybe, we'll find out. Speaking of noise, what's that echoey boom we hear whenever the lights are turned off in Glee? We've all been through enough power outages, and what distinguishes them at first is not sound, but silence. We live with all those gadgets and appliances all whirring and buzzing away 24-7, and when they suddenly go dead, we're reminded what the world actually sounds like. Glee doesn't understand the first thing about the central topic of this week's show. None of the thing and stuff really worked from this week. Oh, God, I forgot about that. I guess I'm over that character, too. Erica was tired of him a long time ago, and I used to defend him as being an accurate parody of real-life high school principals, but now I see that she was right. He's a one-note, one-joke character. But I did like the way his first scene was filmed as a direct homage to the Warriors, <laughs> specifically the DJ played by Lynn Thigpen in that movie. I didn't think about that. I didn't either. Now I kind of want to rewatch the Warriors. Yeah. I have never seen it. We might do that today. Uh, continuing. I, I, and I'm mixed on Figgins. I think he still has the ability to be funny, but just not when he's not written right. 
I don't know how many schools would keep classes going through what seems to be a power outage lasting several days, but whatever. I can tell you none out in Long Island because right when we had the power outage after Sandy, there was like no school for a week. Well, yeah, but that was also because the buses couldn't get anywhere. Oh, that is true. That is true. Glean never knows what it has. Ryder could be a really fun, awesome character. But no, he has to be a poster child for every issue of the week Glee wants to work into the show. He's not alone. Pretty much every character on Glee has to do this eventually. But it seems like Ryder has been unduly burdened in this respect. You know what I thought Ryder's big revelation was going to be? This will sound like I'm kidding, but I'm not. I thought he was going to reveal that he had accidentally killed one of his friends a few years earlier when they were practicing wrestling moves they had seen on TV. A real case like that happened a few years ago. The poor kid was tried in his adult, and I honestly thought Glee was going in that direction. Instead, well, you know what happened. We'll get to that later. You know what? Because it reminded me of that moment in Gossip Girl in, like, season one or two where, um, what's her name? Serena confesses that she killed a man. And, like, that's oh, kind of, like, I remember like, that. oh, God, it was, like, season one, and, like, she's, like, just sobbing, and she's, like, oh, I'm going to tell you my secret. And you're, like, what's it going to be? And she's, like, I killed someone. And it ends up being, like, not quite that. But like, that was it. Because I was also, I'm like, what the fuck could it be? <laughs> and it was that. One of the major plot lines this week was, Santana isn't doing much with her life, and that's okay. It is okay, Glee, but you don't have to do a story about it. It can be something that's just kind of going on. Or more accurately, not going on in the background. While actual events worth filming are happening in the foreground. Seinfeld was the show about nothing. Glee has to be about something. Why the fuck is Tina dragged into this, even for a few seconds? Poor Jenna Ushkowitz is struggling enough this season. Making her character into a gossipy cunt is not going to help. Oh, yeah, I like when they're like, yeah, Tina told us this. <laughs> and they have to cut to Tina being like, guess what? And that's it. Just like, paycheck. <laughs> Done, Jenna. I like that at the very end of the season with Santana, Rachel looks genuinely hurt after Santana calls her TV's blossom. <laughs> and now a little music history lesson. Phil Spector's wall of sound had nothing whatsoever to do with filling stadiums. Sam is confusing the wall of sound with arena rock, which is more of a 1970s phenomenon, well after Spectre's heyday. For this scene to work, Sam should have chosen something by any of the following bands. Foreigner, Boston, Ario Speedwagon, Sticks, Jeffrey Rattel, Kiss, or Kansas. The wall of sound was really about trying to put operatic emotion into pop and R&B music. It was made for radios and TV players, not stadiums. Spectre arrangements often feature heavy use of violins and castanets, both acoustic instruments, I might add, as is the human voice, which is the other crucial ingredient in the Spectre sound. Arena rock, on the other hand, is built around electric guitar and electric bass and electric keyboards. Please still not, does not understand its own central premise this week. I knew none of that, so we'll take Joe's word for it. Mm-hmm. So another one of Glee's themes this week is that we're all too dependent on electronic gizmos. Oh, by the way, don't forget to download the new Glee PS app, folks. Oh, uh, where was I? Oh, yes, we're all too dependent on electronic gizmos <laughs> and not paying enough attention to the real world around us. Well done, Joe. This is a valid point, but it's been made by many, many, many TV shows already. It was a cliche at least five years ago to make this observation, and once again, Glee handles this in the most obvious cornball way possible, by having Sam get up and make a speech, sometimes directing his remarks right at the camera so that we don't miss it. Do Darren Aronofsky and Christopher Nolan not get along? And more importantly, has Sarah Jessica Parker been replaced by some kind of pod person? Um, I don't know about Aronofsky and Nolan, but I do know that Darren Aronofsky was originally going to direct the Batman reboot that became Batman Begins. Oh, so, so I don't know if there's any bad blood because of that. I'm not sure. Um, quality trumps quantity always. Words to live by, Glee. <laughs> words to live by. Oh, hey, a hazy, non-specific mention of Bert's cancer and a vague allusion to the fact that he is employed in some capacity. <laughs> Progress! Nothing of real value comes of the Kurt Sarah Jessica Parker charity event story. It's nice that Chris is given something to do, but this is a whole lot of meh. Precious seconds of network airtime are ticking away, people. You know that scene in The Wizard of Oz when the Wicked Witch turns the big hourglass upside down and tells Dorothy that's how long she has to live? You should have that scene playing in your heads when you're putting a TV show on the air. Sue's personal trainer gig seems like another missed opportunity for comedy. Sue's just doing the same shit she always does, but in a slightly different setting. They are also kind of going for a 1980s softcore porn vibe here, and I appreciate the effort, but nah, it's not working for me. Next. Time for some more honesty. When Sue was at McKinley, she did a lot of terrible, unethical, borderline criminal, and sometimes just flat-out criminal stuff. Why are we trying to pretend she was some kind of saintly benefactor of the Jirios? And as for the gun story, listen carefully, Glee. No one cares. For some reason, Artie somehow thinks he's invented the idea of making music with sound objects. What about Stump? What about Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids Junkyard Band? 
What about those Pringles commercials from the 90s? Oh, I forgot about those. And, oh, yeah, there's a fellow you might have heard of named Gene fucking Kelly. <laughs> fucking was not the man's middle name. I just did that for emphasis. We got a joke. With his glasses and yellow hard hat, Artie kind of looks like a member of Devo this week. <laughs> Doing an acoustic version of a Devo song would be a cool, interesting idea, which is probably why they didn't do it. Normally, I'd be charmed to death by appearances from Toddler Kurt and Toddler Rachel, but this week, I don't know, it kind of falls flat. Didn't we just have a Toddler Rachel scene, like, last week or something? For some unknown reason, Glee is hell-bent on making us all love ballet this week, and poor Santana is just steamrolled into agreeing with Kurt and Rachel eventually. If I were into terrible puns, I'd say this storyline was a ballet flop, but I'm not, so I won't. <laughs> Ryder eloquently told me what he wanted to unplug were his feelings. Worst line of the episode, certainly, but also a candidate for worst line of the season and worst line of the series. Impressive. I have, I still like um, Finn's, because it was his delivery of it. I think my vote for worst line is, the truth is in the pudding, <laughs> and my pudding sucks. That's still the one I go to. Joe continues, I have a zero tolerance policy when it comes to everybody hurts. Moving on. But by the way, though, everybody hurts sometimes is one of the least profound statements ever expressed in song. My response would have been called, no shit, Michael Sykes. <laughs> okay, so the writer was molested thing. I don't even know where to begin here. First of all, maybe it wasn't such a hot idea to film this in a matter of reminiscent of <laughs> Are You Afraid of the Dark? Secondly, are Sam and Artie really such insensitive pigs that they'd make the comments we hear them make in this scene? I don't think so. Well, I mean, sideline, Joe, it's Emily speaking now. I think they, somebody... I feel like they had to have them say that because that's what a lot of the reaction would be. And I think it was important to have that done and not to skip over that that would have been a reaction. I continue. Joe continues. What I think is this. Just as Lee wanted us to know that guys have body issues too, y'all, they want us to know that boys can be molested by females, in case we didn't already know that. Then they have Sam and Artie, who must have drawn the short straws this week, <laughs> make the usual ignorant comments that always arise when cases like this occur. The big problem with all of this is something that's been plaguing Glee all season. Instead of stories emerging naturally from the characters, it feels like stories are being imposed upon the characters by the writers, based on which issues they want to include in the show. I would agree. I said this about Wade's story last week when he was taking birth control pills. It was true of Marley's bulimia, too. Though the early days of those scenes, we've seen Kurt deal with the pressures of being gay-bashed, of coming out to his father, of finally having a gay relationship, etc. And it's all felt natural because we've seen the character develop from episode to episode. In contrast, do you remember how Ryder was introduced to us? We saw him goofing around on the football field while Beast recited a page-long speech about his background and his problems. It was a really clumsy exposition, and that clumsiness continues through the story. That's why it doesn't resonate. You have to earn the right to do this. You haven't. And I would say, too, again, it's Emily, I think I wouldn't be surprised if Glee this season had, like, a list of things they wanted to touch on, and they wanted to do a school shooting, and they wanted to do a sexual abuse, and they kind of decided halfway through that, like, Okay, which character can we give the sexual abuse storyline? And I bet at one point it was going to be Jake. And then they were like, you know what? I think Ryder's a better actor. Let's give it to him. Mm -hmm. And I really think, like, and I bet Joe would agree with me, like, that's how they're assigning these storylines, not in an organic way of character. And it is. It's a huge problem. He continues. Kitty comments on Puck's puffiness, proving once and for all that Ryan Murphy and his minions listen to Gleecast. Yep. Fist, fist bump. Speaking of which, long, long ago, Emily predicted that Glee would eventually give Kitty some kind of tragic backstory to explain her cunty behavior. Well, it took them many, many months to do it, but now they have. Are we all happy now? Of course I am, because I was proved right. And the supposed seriousness of the Ryder Kitty scene is immediately undercut by We Will Rock You. Way to handle a delicate issue with good taste, Glee. None of these people are Freddie Mercury, but I hardly need to point that out. And a bunch of people going, la, 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 is no substitute for a Brian Day guitar solo. Doesn't anyone in the cast know know how to do that Michael Winslow thing when you make the sound of an electric guitar with your mouth? <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't hired one of them yet. God, he should guess darn Glee. I would think that she's been banned from school property, but for some reason, Sue is back at McKinley watching the Cheerios practice. And I guess Becky is the only one who could see her. I actually like the brief conversation between Becky and Sue, but Little Girls doesn't quite fit there. I know Jane is following in the footsteps of her TV mom, Carol Burnett, and playing with Hannigan and Annie, but that song isn't quite right for the story, considering where Sue is in, is in her life at that point. There are a couple of nice sight gags here, though. I like the girl taking the pregnancy test and the bleachers littered with dead cheerleaders. You'd never guess they did a super serious school shooting episode just a few weeks ago. That did cross my mind at the end of the episode. I'm yeah. like, dude, is it a little bit of bad taste to have them appearing dead? But because I enjoyed it, I, I let it go. 
back to the ballet shit. Yeah, it's mandatory. We know. All girls must love ballet. Gender politics at its finest. Oh, and Santana was a tomboy growing up, which, like, no, she wasn't. All this leads to an interminable at the ballet, which is just a bloated, pretentious bore of a scene. I say that even though I played the Indian chief. Fast forward. <laughs> Nene Leeks needs to take it down a notch or 12. She doesn't have to yell everything, does she? As a character, her rage is even more limited than Figgins. Artie and Sam, the pigs from early earlier scene, get to laugh at Secretary Donna's hysterectomy. They're having a hell of a week. Will gives yet another really stupid inspirational speech, and the fact that he's wearing a vest only makes it worse. Blaine's pork pie, pork pie hat isn't helping either. Catfishing. Huh? What? Did I miss something? I'm awake. Totally awake. How can you pick an online fantasy over an actual fantasy? Wait, what? This is Niata Extension, which we didn't tell you about earlier because, uh, hey, look over there. Runs away. <laughs> look, I'm glad they're doing something with Santana, but did it have to be this? It's an hour-long show. They somehow managed to cram in 37 hours of ballet footage, but not one single solitary scene of Naya Rivera as a cage dancer. I hate you, Lee. Go fuck yourself with a rusty corkscrew. <laughs> I would have liked a Naya Rivera uh, go-go boot scene as mm-hmm. well. Oh, and here's a surprise. The episode ends with the Glee Clubbers singing an upbeat song from the auditorium. Didn't see that one coming. Here's the thing about For the Longest Song. Time. There's only one way to do this, this song, and it's to copy Billy Joel's original pretty much note for note. People keep posting cover versions of this to YouTube, and I don't get why. It's the musical equivalent of painting by numbers. You haven't really accomplished anything if you were to take this song and do something totally different with it, then yes, that would have been worth sharing. Otherwise, why are you wasting my time with this? Uh, you know how I feel about this. I think I've expressed it enough. Yep. After the show, there's a literal PSA with Kitty and Ryder, or the actors playing them. I'm not sure. I think Ryder's t-shirt is a reference to the movie Scars. I think so, too. I didn't, I didn't catch it. It says Lightning McQueen, Aww. which is a car's name. That's kind of adorable. I don't know how that fits in thematically. So that was Lights Out. Not one for the highlight reel. This time, there weren't even any complete scenes I liked. Just little moments within scenes, and those were few and far between. Remember a few episodes back when Brody went to the creepy hotel and got his ass kicked by Psycho Finn? That was awesome. Do more stuff like that, Glee, and less of pretty much everything in this episode. How long has season four been going on? Whoa, oh, 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 for the longest time. From Joe, who also gives a song, a song to end with. I love me first in the Gibby Gibbies. Awesome. I, I'm sure I do. Once I hear. <laughs> yeah, they, um, they do all covers. Oh, okay, cool. You mean like covers where they redo a song or covers where they just sing the song note for note like Glee does? Covers where they redo the song. Well, that's great because that's what they should be doing. I accidentally just started playing it, but we'll move on. You couldn't hear it, but they probably could. All right, so now we have three episodes left. Um, I don't even know. I hope. Only There's, three? That'd be fabulous. Wait, it's, it's April 28th. I mean, typically, if this was episode 20, uh, probably, yeah, I, I think there's no more than four. four. Yeah. No, I wouldn't even think four, because that would be pushing it pretty late in May, unless they're doing a two-hour episode earlier than that. Um, because typically, shows are going to end before Memorial Day weekend is kind of when most shows wrap up for the year. True. So, just a few episodes left. We, I, I don't know, next week, um, well, you didn't see the previews. I won't give anything away, because you yes, might actually, oh, you did, okay. Um, so we get Kate Hudson back. Yeah. Great. And it looks like she's going to try and mess up. Right. Because that's what grown women do. Right. Yeah, of course they do. Um, but we will, we'll we'll be able to talk about the finale of RuPaul next week. We shall. I will watch that episode today. Please do. Hopefully, um, the right person is crowned. Yeah, we shall see. We know who I think the right person should be. That we do. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll be back next week, folks. Um, see you then. Later. Bye. It's all over my If you said goodbye to me tonight, there would still be music left to write. But
this opportunity to remind everyone that right now there are hundreds of thousands of people all over the world 